Well, yeah, what we have here on offering is a selection of uh, single pastel whiskies. And of course, you're aware pastel, all Irish whisky were pastel up to about the 1960. Now, do you mind explaining to us when you say pastel? That is something very specific to Ireland, isn't it? Correct. Our whiskies, by and large, were always made from a mi- the mash bill will be malted and unmalted barley. And the other difference would be is that uh, our, our malt wouldn't be peated, but that's only by the side. And then, after fermentation, the wash was distilled three times. Now, we, we all know, and I'm sure you're aware, of the introduction of blends, sure. and blends into the whisky business. We, in Ireland, all our whiskies up to the 1960s, are by and large single pot still whiskies. And we then went down the road of blending. And our Jemison, our, our main brand, which is now selling over 3 million cases, is a blended whisky. But what we have on offering here is a selection of our single pot still whiskies. Okay. Now, some of these I've seen before. The Green Spot, I'm familiar with Green Spot. But next to it, there's one there, Middleton Barry Crockett Legacy. Yes. Now, that looks like that's something very special. Can you tell me a bit about that one? Right. This is a, a, a legacy whiskey uh, selected in the same style as the Middleton Vintage, which you're familiar with. Yeah. Except this is single pot still. Um, it is matured in a selection of casks and it's bottled unfiltered at 46%. Okay. Now, if you like, I will uh, pour you one and you I can taste it. I would love that. Just hold it a moment. Uh, get your colleague one too. Why is the Middleton Barry Crockett legacy? Why has that been re- released now? Why named after Barry Crockett? Well, Barry Crockett is our head distiller in Middleton. As a matter of fact, Barry is. He was there a second ago. He just moved off. <laughs> I could have introduced you to him. You'll probably be back in a minute or two. Oh, my God. But uh, you're familiar with uh, Middleton Very Rare. Absolutely. Which is, is a vintage produced each year from a selection of casks. Now, this here is a, a batch of single pot still whiskies, which has been juiced in the Middleton style using his name. Right. I didn't realise that he was actually going to be here. Today. Oh yes, Barry is, is here. He's doing a tasting this evening. Uh, he was just there behind me on the minute ago. I've just had a little sip of this, and it it has got a very characteristic, very unusual flavour to it. Well, what you're probably getting through, and then it comes through in 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 all these single pot still whiskies, you're getting the barley note coming through. Right. The uh, spicy note that you get from the barley and I think that's probably what you're getting yeah um, the other thing I'm getting from it is, a, is an, an oily texture now is that to do with the, the, the traditional pot still 
Well, you, you'll be getting a very light oily texture. Yeah. I wouldn't say there's... No, it's not a heavy oil. No, no, no. no. no that will be from the chest. Yeah. Yeah, that is really, really nice. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I've been leading you a little bit with the Barry Crockett questions because I do know who Barry Crockett is. And I'm like, you know, you get little boys, football fans, and they meet somebody like George Best or something like that, they get really excited. I've had a bottle of Middleton Very Rare at home that my wife gave me, and it's a 1999 Very Rare. And I've often looked at the label. I still haven't opened it yet. It will get open one day. And I take it out, and I've often looked at the signature in the bottom that says Barry Crockett. That's it, yep. And um, when I saw that one there, I, I can't remember whether Barry is actually retired now or is no, due no, to retire. Barry's not. He's about another two years to go. About another two years yes, ago. Yes. So it's actually not that common, is it, for a whiskey to be named after somebody before retirement or something oh, like that? Oh, yes, it is quite common quite common, particularly in the bourbon industry. Really? Yes, so, you know, you, you, you've, you, you know, you've showed the first, second, third, fourth, you know, it goes down nearly through the family. Yeah. Oh, yes, you know, it's quite common. Okay. Quite common. Will I introduce you to this next? You can. You can. I'll tell you what, would you mind if I just go taste this and I'll come back for that one? That's that right. all right. Yeah. Okay. I don't. This is too good to rush. You want to take it slowly. Yeah. All right. Does that I'll, make sense? I'll be here when you come back. Marvelous. Thank You're you. Very welcome. Thank you very much. I like it. Yeah. Reminds me of oh. Well, that was an expert from Whiskey Live Dublin, and there's going to be a bit more from Whiskey Live Dublin coming up later on in this podcast. In fact, coming up very soon. But I want to offload onto you listeners. I'm having a one terrible time at the moment. As I've said in previous episodes, you know, I really love whiskey, but whilst I can see the benefits of it, I really don't like technology what a headache it is and it's certainly given me a headache at the moment as I'm changing from one website hoster to the other I've had a complete crash of email I think I've got that sorted out now and I've had a complete crash of the website I'm beginning to get that one sorted out now there's some usability on the mortedmuse.com website but nowhere near as much as I want there to be and there's a lot of stress in the Martin household because of it. But there you go. That's the bad news. But there's some good news as well. At least one part I think might be good news. And that is I have been pestered by my oldest son for some time now saying that I really should get onto Twitter. Well, I've given in to him, and I have got onto Twitter. And if anybody wants to follow me, they can. It's the Malted Muse, of course, on the Twitter. Um, I'm going to be totally honest, I'm only just beginning to learn how to use it. Um, I can see the advantages of it, but there's also a part of me that sees it as being yet another piece of technology to combat with. That technology right next to a glass of 
of really nice bush mills far more organic far more lovely give me the bush mills any time anyway in today's episode we started off with that interview and the voices you heard there was of my oldest son and a man whose name I wish I'd got hold of but didn't manage to get hold of but what he was talking about was obviously the Middleton legacy the the Barry Crockett legacy Ah, that was gorgeous now Middleton may not have started off as a very big distillery but my life it became a big distillery and not only to become a big distillery it actually became more of a group of distilleries and there's a few things i could tell you about it but do you know something not this week i'm not going to because when i went to whiskey live dublin being a bit on the simple side there's a couple of things that i really didn't realize was going to happen one of those was that john teeling was going to be there and the other one for some really weird reason, I could see in front of me bottles of the Middleton Barry Crockett legacy, but didn't for one second think that Barry Crockett himself would be there. I really don't know why I didn't think that, but it escaped me. So when this lovely man said to me that Barry Crockett was here a moment ago, I could introduce you to him, my heart stopped up to this point in my life the name Barry Crockett had been that handwritten signature on the bottle or bottom of my bottle of Middleton Very Rare I'd often looked at it and wondered whether I'd ever meet the genius who made this thing and to that day that day there at Whiskey Live Dublin there was that possibility that it was going to happen as it was, Barry Crockett is off doing a master class. The hunt began, however. The search for Barry Crockett began. And it was a successful search that ended up with what I think is a good interview. And I'm going to be playing that for you very soon. There's going to be that interview. And there's also going to be the second part of that discussion I had that started in last week's episode with Heidi Donaldson of the Ireland Whiskey Tour. Now she told us last week a bit about the Ireland Whiskey Tour, but this week she's going to be talking a little bit about a whiskey. Now the whiskey that she's talking about is the Powers John's Lane release. Now, Powers John's Lane Distillery was renowned for its pot still whiskies, bursting with flavour and character. Made famous by one of Ireland's most popular brands, Powers Gold Label. Now, Powers Gold Label tended to be, and actually still is, one of the leading, if not the leading brands in Ireland itself. Not so well known for the export market so it is good seeing this having some special treatment and unfortunately the john's lane distillery itself is no longer there so we we tried a bit of that now what did Heidi have to say about it well let's hear what she has to say 
is coming from Middleton. But you've also you've got tobacco, you've got leather. To me, it's really, really masculine. That is a new release, isn't it? That is the new release. So it's 46 percent. It's non-shield filtered. It's a single pot still. And unlike the other powers, the other powers are bourbon cask controlled only. This is bourbon and cherry cask, and, and you can you can get the cherry yeah, from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's got a lovely nose to it. It's 12 years old. Well, on the label, it's 12, but it's mostly 13 and 14 to be right. Heidi, what do you think about this issue? You can't call it pure pot still. Well, it, was, it was only the Americans who objected to it. And obviously because there is a huge interest in this category now. Yeah. Uh, and obviously America is such a big potential market. Well, it's already a very big market for Jemison and other Irish whiskey brands. But it's such a big potential market for... No. Everybody's interested in pure pot still. But don't you think that single pot still is going to get it confused with single malt? Well, no, that's the whole thinking behind it, because you already have single malt and everybody associates that with quality. And then, obviously, you've got single grain whiskies, which people people don't know about as much, but still they know it comes from one distillery. So that was the whole idea. To point out it's coming from one distillery, single pot still. I probably will still be calling it pure pot still. I've been calling it pure pot still all day, yeah. <laughs> Heidi, that's lovely. Thank you ever so much. Alright. Next time I'm in Dublin, okay. we'll meet up properly. Alright, okay, All right. take care. Bye. Now, later on in this episode, I am going to talk a bit about another distillery. We're going to go from one extreme to the other. From the Middleton distillery that has become this huge yet still wonderful thing that Barry Crockett himself is going to talk about in a moment. But I want to finish this episode talking about another distillery, one that's not even in Ireland, break from Whiskey Live Dublin and a quick trip over the water to Scotland to a distillery known as Daft Mill. But in the meantime, the excitement rose inside me. And it was one of those little magical moments where I was stood looking for Barry Crockett. A man in front of me said, I'll introduce you to him. He went off to look for him. He came back unable to find him. And then I turned round and stood behind me the whole time was the man himself, Barry Crockett. I've got a bottle, and I've had it for some time now at home, of Middleton Very Rare 1999. Yes. Well, I periodically get off the shelf, take out the box, look at. That's going to be opened on a special occasion. Right. I look at the signature of the bottle of that, at the bottom of that bottle, and now I'm with the man himself. Yes, indeed. And this is the time that Middleton Barry Crockett Legacy has come out, which I've just tasted. Yes. And thought it was wonderfully superb. Yes. How do you relate to a whiskey like that yourself? What's your reaction to it? Well, as far as the uh, Middleton, uh, this Middleton is concerned, um, as you are no doubt aware, uh, we have over the last number of years, in fact over a considerable number of years, have had a policy of um, representing, as it were, the uh, postal style, 
which is unique to the Irish tradition. Yeah. Um, really what I'm speaking about there is that in the Irish tradition, the brewing system for pots of whiskey involves taking uh, dry barley, mixed with malted barley, brewing in a special manner, and then to triple distill that, such that we obtain a very refined uh, whiskey style, which will always relate back to the barley, in the sense that the barley tends to give what we describe as, what I describe as, apple type, pear, peach flavour notes, together with a very sweet complex, uh, a very syrup soft complex on the palate. This Middleton is the ultimate expression of that when you're looking at the Irish pastel style. Obviously, uh, this whiskey is related to the Middleton Very Rare. The Middleton Very Rare, however, is a blend of pastels and some grain whiskey. So, given that uh, Middleton has been an existing distillery for, well, really since 1826, and that the Middleton name has been associated with the finest whiskies uh, going back many, many, many decades. It is a phenomenal, I suppose, development and privilege indeed uh, to be associated with this um, re-emergence of the Middleton name under the single pastel style. Fantastic. Okay then? Yeah, lovely. Very good. Middleton, I, I don't know whether you get this sort of feedback often, but to me, Middleton... It's a big distillery. It's got a large output. But somehow or other, whenever I see a bottle of it, I get that sense that it's a small outfit. It's, it's personal. It's, it's got yeah. character. Yeah. How have they managed to do that? Or how have you managed to do that? Well, um, I've had the, I suppose, um, privilege of um, working when the old Midland distillery was still operating as a distillery. I was speaking about the late 1960s into the early 1970s. I've also had the privilege of being able to say that I worked in the Powers Distillery, based here in Dublin in John's Lane. And so therefore, uh, I've been uniquely placed to recognise the traditions which those distilleries uh, carried out for a very long period of time. With the present distillery, or as we probably more correctly regarded as group of distilleries, we continue those individual styles. So really, when you're looking at the Jemson range or the Middleton range, uh, we always refer back, or I always refer back, to the individual techniques of those individual distilleries. So when you say that you can relate to uh, the Middleton very rare uh, in a type of personal sense, in the sense that even though the distillery is very large, it seems to resonate something individual and maybe smaller in scale that is correct to the extent that we utilize the complexity of the present distillery and we design styles of distillates relating back to what was the norm in the old days in a very personal and an individual sense so uniquely in the world of distilleries uh, we carry out styles of distillation which have, as it were, been carried forward from the older distilleries. But of course, in addition to that, I should say, we also innovate and we endeavour to use different cast styles and different distillate styles 
all of which give us the ability to present a very broad range of distillate styles and whiskey types. Which do you think is the more important of the two there? The, the keeping hold of the traditional methods or the, the innovation that goes on? Yes, the maintaining of the tradition is very important. However, you can't remain, you cannot, you cannot remain, uh, as it were, um, hog-tied or tied up by the past. If that was the case, the industry as, as it currently exists could not have become so successful. And the success of um, Irish distilling over the last, say, 20 years, and in particular the last 10 years with Jemson, has been that we've been able to um, formulate or distill a style of uh, whiskey within the Jemson portfolio, which has met the uh, flavour expectation of an international audience. And as you know, Jemson has been a phenomenal success worldwide and in particular in the United States. Now, recognising that, then, uh, we also need to um, innovate to the extent that by using different cask styles, uh, we're able to present um, aspects of uh, Jemson which would not have been possible in the past. Maybe a distinct example of that would be to relate the, for example, Jemson 12 to the Vintage Reserve. Whereas in the Jemson 12, you get the influence of sherry, or the sherry cask and sherry wood, as a, an important characteristic. And relating that to the Vintage Reserve, you're looking at the influence of port and port casks. So therefore, by combining different styles of distillates within the, germ, uh, within the Jemson um, tradition and utilising um, different styles of cask which uh, might have been less common in the past we were able to present a broader range which is obviously currently so successful now if you then translate that again into the more recent development which uh, I think will become very very um, uh, respected already respected really and that is the re-emergence of the Irish Potstill whisky style. Uh, if you go back, say, 50, 60 years ago, uh, whiskies in Ireland um, were traditionally distilled from malted barley, unmalted barley, in potstills, without, without the addition of grain whisky. Now, that individual style, um, I suppose you could really say, um, uh, faded a bit from... Um, marketplace uh, for quite some time but we were conscious that that was our tradition and having established Jemson as the forerunner uh, uh, if, in terms of blended whiskies, we now believe that by representing uh, the Irish Pastel Whiskey as a distinct style uniquely Irish, uniquely part of our tradition, that we believe that that will offer a phenomenal extra boost and restore Irish whisky to its true origins in terms of uh, one of the foremost whiskies really in the world. Mm. Well, I suppose one of the other things with the traditional pot style, pot still style of, of, of distillation, mm. is there's a lot more flexibility that you can you can use by mixing different amounts of malted or unmalted barley. But Irish distilling is not the only people who use a mixed mash bill. Americans will use a mixed mash bill. Yes. Do you think that 
enables it to transfer to the American palate easier as well? Or? Well, I mean, I suppose really, um, I think it's of interest to recognise that, uh, say, 100 years ago, the uh, Irish whiskey um, industry and the Irish whiskey exports, in terms of um, acceptability, uh, were regarded as being foremost. Um, but then people's sentiments changed, uh, the idea of blended whiskies became more prominent. Uh, and um, it, there was a belief for quite some time that the more traditional Irish pasta whiskies were going out of fashion, did go out of fashion. And uh, we believe that with the uh, more recent developments, we have been, as it were, able to present Irish pasta whisky in a new light. Uh, and it must also be said, with the advantage of um, modern-day facilities, better control systems, we have uh, a more refined uh, character, more developed character to enhance the traditional possible style. So really, possible whiskies that we distill today, uh, while they do owe everything to tradition, uh, are uh, really at the benefit of advances in terms of technology, which means that we preserve um, a true reflection of the flavour of the barley. As to whether that can be translated uh, as a style, we clearly mentioned that other countries use mixed grain cereals. Um, you know, that is their tradition. Uh, all, re all, all we are saying is this is our possible whiskey character. Um, my information is that having uh, visited the States several times is that having uh, discovered and indeed Many people outside of Ireland even now are not very familiar with Irish whisky. Uh, feel that um, having discovered Jemson, uh, wish to experience um, a broader range of flavours from the uh, Irish stable, as it were. Uh, and we believe that by introducing red breasts, green spot, powers, and other possible whisky styles, that that will answer that need, and uh, as a result. I think will enhance considerably the whole background and imagery of Irish whiskey. Would you mind if I ask you a rather off-the-ball question? Yes. And it's, it's my own personal curiosity. If you ask people what's the difference between Irish whiskey and Scottish whiskey, one of the, the frequent things people say mm. is about triple distillation. Mm. And I know that Middleton actually has got my understanding is correct anyway a unique way of of distillation where it's almost is it like two and a half or three and a half forms of distillation is that right well um again if you recall what uh, we were discussing earlier um the current presence distillery at middleton uh, was designed uh given uh, the background of four individual distilleries. There was a Powers Distillery, Jemson Distillery, Old Middle Distillery, and there was also another distillery in Cork City as well. Um, so we had to continue those individual traditions. And that means that uh, in the distilleries in Middleton, of which is one of the, as we describe it, the favourite whisky distillery, namely the Potstill Distillery, is operating in such manner to enable us to uh, distill Irish pastel whisky uh, in a number of different ways, several different ways, 
in other words, uh, several different styles yeah. of flavoured hostel whiskies. Equally, we distill through three separate columns several different styles mm. of grain whisky. So even though you're speaking about one distilling complex, you could regard it as one complex in one light, but depending on the operation condition, you can regard it as several distilleries sure. producing individual styles. And it's because of that broad ability that we're able to um, not only maintain the original styles of distilling, though enhanced because of the um, improvement in technology, not only that, but to develop that in the sense that we're constantly looking at uh, ways of broadening our range by distilling uh, in different manners to obtain different flavour fractions. Okay. So you're talking about, um, uh, I suppose, the uniqueness of Middleton in terms of um, its flexibility and its comprehensiveness in regard to the styles of distillates. So really, it's more than three separate types of pot still or two separate types of grain whiskey. There are many different types of pot stills and many different types of grain whiskey. And that that flexibility, that variation is going to be more and more important because I believe that there's going to be further releases. There's a programme of releases planned for the future. That is correct. Uh, Our policy statement is, our policy mission is to uh, continue to extend uh, the Jemison range. Uh, obviously, that will be within the blended whiskey category, um, but uh, also within the single pot still, uh, Irish pot still whiskey style. Uh, so, we, over the next several years, um, we'll be uh, releasing more styles. And indeed, as an example of that, uh, as you know, we just launched. Um, uh, two expressions last week, but mm-hmm. before the year is out, uh, we'll be all, uh, we will be launching another variant, another style of the red within the red breast range. And um, just as a matter of further interest, because of the um, success of Jemson, um, uh, we are now looking at actually doubling the capacity of the distillery in entirety mm-hmm. uh, with a very large investment. Um, and uh, hope to start uh, construction there within a two or three months, looking at the design phase at the moment, and over the next two to three years, we hope to spend or invest up to 100 million litres in doubling the capacity of the distillery and also doubling the capacity of our warehousing site. We've actually purchased uh, a new site about uh, six miles from the distillery, which will be the uh, new maturation site because our current site is, uh, well we've currently 38 warehouses and um, really we're running out of space there so we need extra space Sure. Yeah. so it's a mark really of the success of the, uh, of, of the um, really of Jemson which is, enables us to drive forward with Jemson but equally to uh, as it were uh, return to our roots in terms of the Irish pasta whiskey category. Fantastic absolutely okay. fantastic. Very good. One more question. Yes and this is the silly question. Right. I don't understand the answer to this. I, I've got a connection with Ireland myself, mainly through my wife, who is of Irish descent. Right. We've come to Ireland two, three times a year for the last 20 years. Right. I know that there's an awful lot of peat in Ireland. One of my favourite things is sitting in front of a, a peat fire in right. Ireland. Right. Why is there not more peated Irish whiskies? 
Well, we, in our tradition, uh, that is the tradition of powers, the tradition of uh, Jemson, the tradition of Paddy Whiskey or the Middleton Distilling Whiskies, um, do not have the tradition of using peat. Um, our tradition dates back to, say, the, uh, say around eight, before 1800, wherein, uh, with the urbanisation of the distilling business, so the distilling business around that time in Ireland changed from being a very rural style, um, I suppose you might call it rural industry, to an urbanised setting. And in those much larger urbanised distilleries, you really had the beginning of the, you might describe it, industrial revolution as far as the city was concerned. And in that industrial revolution, um, the concept of using barley uh, with malted barley uh, was seized upon by John Jemson and indeed also by uh, Sir John Paul uh, to develop um, really a novel way of distilling then and that is our particular tradition to today. So really uh, to use peat uh, in with that style of distillation system, that style particularly of a brewing system would um, certainly um, lead to the, um, I suppose, the inability to capture the finesse of barley, because barley, in with um, malted barley, non-peated malt, malted barley, enables the release of apple, pear, peach, type character notes, together with the soft, pleasant, sweet aftertaste on the palate. Using peat in that complex would not be the thing to do, and in, and in any event, that is our particular tradition nowadays. Now, as you're aware, I'm sure, there are other uh, distilleries on the island of Ireland, uh, some of which use peat, some of which produce um, a lot of uh, Irish malt whisky without peat, but that again is another tradition within the Irish uh, context. But the predominant tradition uh, for the last 200 years has been the use of uh, a lot of dried barley in with malted barley triple distilled to release the flavours of the grain namely in our case barley okay. yeah. that explains that thank you very much very good the only one other thing I'd like to say is that whenever I talk to somebody about whiskey it's always a pleasure very good. occasionally it's been an honour this has been one of those times well, thank, thank you, you very, very much. much thank you very much Neil. lovely speaking to you Well, a few episodes ago, I was saying that I, every now and then I want to talk about some of the smaller distilleries. And this seems a really good opportunity to do that because it gives such a good contrast. Middleton Distillery isn't just a distillery. It's more of a community of distilleries that are able to produce not only a vast variety of styles, flavours, textures and what have you, but also can do so in vast quantities. But it hasn't always been a large distillery. Like most distilleries, at some point, it would have started off much, much smaller. And so to balance that off, we've come over to Scotland, we've come into the Howe of Fife, near the Bow of Fife. It sits in the, the valley of the River Eden the parish of Colessi. It's an area in the lowlands of Scotland 
and it goes by the name of the Daft Mill Distillery. So why is it called the Daft Mill Distillery? Well, obviously because it's a distillery and obviously because there is a mill, but why Daft? Well, the belief is, is that the landscape of the area produces a stream that appears to run uphill. And because it gives it that appearance of being a backward running stream or burn, the local people started to call it the Daft Burn. So then when the mill was built and it was powered by that, that burn, it became known as Daft Burn. But the distillery is not a purpose-built distillery as such. It is actually a farm. Daft Mill is not only a farm, it's a family farm where they grow potatoes, barley, they have a herd of cattle for beef and it is in operation as a farm for quite some time and then they decided for some reason to make a distillery but it's still very much run as a farm as well. It's been in the family for about six generations, the Cuthbert family, and I've been trying to get some information about the distillery. So I've contacted them and I didn't get any response at first. Am I complaining about this? Not at all, because this is all part and parcel of it. The reason they're so busy is because they've got a farm to run and that is taking up a lot of their time. There's times when the distilling doesn't happen. Getting information, getting samples, very, very difficult to do. Now, there is a website, um, daftmill.com. That's D-A-F-T-M-I-L-L.com. And it's well worth visiting because it really does give that essence of it being a small affair, a small-time distillery. I wanted to know why they did this, what was the inspiration behind it and they replied saying that well we started this for several reasons. Firstly the family have always been whiskey lovers. We have a real passion for our dram. We have grown malting barley for several generations and wish to add value to the barley that we were growing. And we had a set of old disused buildings that were getting to the stage where we had to decide whether to spend money repairing them or just allowing them to fall down. Now, they won't go on to say that they're not sure what the main influence was. Perhaps it was more of a case of being under the influence. They've enjoyed most aspects of this so far, from the planning and the construction through to the production of spirit and there haven't been many regrets, not so far anyway. But then again, they've been too busy to sit and doubt what they're doing. They just need to get on with it. I asked them what advice they would give, and the first bit of advice might be, don't buy a second-hand boiler. And the second bit of advice might be, don't put the filling store at the bottom of the hill. What do they aim to make? Well, they aim to make a light, fruity, floral whiskey in the lowland style. And they have had help from lots of different people. Everyone has opinions. And sometimes they say that you can get contradictory advice, but at the end of the day, you have to make up your own mind. And as I said, they are in the lowlands, so it is going to be a lowland style whiskey. 
but that doesn't mean it has to lack flavour. They produce a lightish spirit, but it is maturing very nicely. They say there are fruity notes with hints of citrus lemon, but you can still detect malty notes as well. It's described as having a nice creamy, buttery mouthfeel and texture. The distillery and the farm work well together. All the barley that they use in the distillery is grown there on the farm, so they can actually trace each cask of whiskey back to the actual field where the barley was grown. Waste from the distillery, such as the spent grains from the mash tun or the pot ale from the still, become useful cattle feed and a fertiliser on their own farm. The only problem is you can't be in two places at the same time. So the distillery only runs seasonally when it's not so busy on the farm. Now that's information I got from Francis Cuthbert, one of the brothers, and I thank him a lot for it. But when you stop and think about what he's describing there, this, this small time distillery, it doesn't do it credit. Because in my view, it's not a small-time distillery. In my view, yes, they're doing this now. It's a new venture for them. But it is the way that whiskey began. It is the farmer having barley that he's grown and using it to distill, to add value to that, to help them, to help them through the harder times. Now, I wish that they don't have harder times. I hope they have good times and I hope the time will come that I will actually get to sample some of this really enticing, lovely sounding whiskey. Good luck lads. Okay, well this is this is the end of this podcast. It's one that I must confess I've had to throw, to get, throw together in a bit of a rush. I have got technical problems at the moment like never before please bear with me. You can contact me. You can do that by following me on Twitter. You can do that by emailing me at jim at themaltedmuse.com. I really do think I've got the email sorted out. If you have emailed recently and you've not had a reply, it's because I haven't got it. So please email again. And until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye.